You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today we're very excited to have a special guest speaker with us. Now let's prepare our hearts as our special guest brings forth God's truth from His Word today. Open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which is where we will be in the remainder of the lessons. That's what we will be opening up to every night. So I've really been studying through this chapter of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and uh, there's a a preacher out there who does expositional preaching, and you can get on his website, and he has any passage throughout the New Testament. He has multiple messages within that context, so I was on his website, and I was listening through some of his messages, you know, kind of see what he had to say about it. He really uh, unpacks those passages, and he goes, this is one of the most misunderstood, difficult, and important passages in all the New Testament. And I was like, oh, great. (laughs) It figures I choose this one to go through, and the more I've been unpacking it, I'm like, man, this is kind of a heavy chapter. I should have maybe gone a little bit easier for the first one, but (laughs) praise the Lord, I'm in it now, so... Let's, let's, let's get after it, all right? Um, tonight, we, uh, last week, we got through 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 and verse 2. And tonight, by the grace of God, we're going to get through verse 3. So, let's just pray. This is moving a little slower than I originally intended it. Um, now, it doesn't surprise you why last year for our student ministry, we spent the entire student ministry year, year in Mark chapter 1, and we didn't even make it through the entire chapter in the entire school year. So I told my dad before, I was like, one of my goals is to move faster through passages, but then it's so hard because there's so much truth packed in the verses and in the Word of God that I feel like I'm robbing uh, the people if I don't you know, unpack everything that it has to say, so... We're going to make it through verse number 3 here tonight. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and uh, let's read verses 1 through verse 7. This is Paul speaking. Paul's writing this letter. He's writing this epistle to the, the Corinthian church. It says, now concerning spiritual gifts. All right, so the, the word now there, kind of what's going on it is that Paul had been speaking about some other things and he had been exhorting them on some different issues in the previous chapter and so he kind of got done with that and then he goes, now concerning spiritual gifts. So, also, you know, kind of moving on to the next topic. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. Uh, Wherefore, I give to you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus a curse, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now, there are diversity of gifts but the same Spirit, and there are differences of administration but the same Lord, and there are diversity of operations but the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given unto every man to profit with all. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this whole uh, day. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to come here and to study your word and to, to learn more about you, to learn more about the, the body of Christ and who we are in you. And Lord, I just pray that you'll bless this service tonight. Help me as, as I'm, 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 I feel un, not super comfortable with this lesson tonight as I prepare to present it, Lord, and to share with the people what, what you've shown me from the scriptures. And, and I just pray that you'll bless us, tr- teach us, and show us truth tonight. Pray all these things in your holy, precious name of Jesus Christ. 
Amen. Let me ask you this. Have you ever, maybe it was a long time ago for some of you, maybe not so long ago for, for others of you, but have you ever played tug of war? Maybe when you were kids, uh, maybe when you went to camp, um, but you played tug of war. And, and uh, when I worked at Kobiak, uh, I worked at Camp Kobiak for about three years and I absolutely loved it. It was, a, it was an incredible time of my life. But when I was at Kobiak, one of the games we had every week was tug of war. And I love tug of war. I don't know. It's just fun to play tug of war. So you know how it goes. There's, there's a, we would do cabins, then we'd do teams, then we would do all the guys against the guys, then we would do all the guys against the counselors, which the counselors always lost because it was like, you know, 20 counselors and 87 guys. It just was impossible. But, um, but you would be there and you would both be on either side of the rope, right? And you'd grab it and then you would be pulling, they'd, they'd blow the whistle and everybody would start pulling. And you're pulling with all your might and you're pulling with all your strength and your hands are like getting raw and you're like pulling and, and you look behind you to make sure everybody else is pulling too because there's always that one guy that's just like standing there. He's like, dude, pull the rope. And you're pulling and you're pulling and you're investing all of this strength and they got a little rope on the middle and you realize that your rope after about three or four minutes has only moved about two inches. You know, and then you start to relax like, oh, I just can't get it. You start to relax and they start to get some and you get start to get some. And uh, that, that's it. That's the way tug of war works until somebody finally gets, uh, gives up and then the whole other team falls over. And uh, we always loved tug of war. And, uh, you know, uh, but I remember uh, one week we were doing it and somebody got the bright idea. They're like, we should do all of the guys versus a diesel truck. And uh, obviously we were all up for that. And so it was all the guys on one side um, and the diesel truck on the other side. And we literally just pulled that diesel truck right across. It was spinning its tires and going back and forth. We pulled it right across the field. And uh, what's interesting is that all the guys that were on that rope were all putting the exact same amount of effort into pulling the rope as they did before. But yet we were able to accomplish something amazing that nobody could. I mean, go out right now and try to pull one of Isaac's Alpha and Omega diesel trucks. I don't think you're going to do too good at it, right? I think it's going to drag you right across the parking lot. But all of us pulling together in the same direction, working towards the same goal, we were able to do something that seemed impossible, which was to pull a big old diesel truck and how cool a feeling was that same amount of effort same amount of strength but instead of working against each other we were working with each other able to accomplish the goal and, and that i was just thinking about that as i was thinking about the body of christ and i was, I was thinking about the church and how many churches are in a tug of war match with each other and they're in a tug-of-war match in their church against different members of the church. Or maybe they're in a tug-of-war match against a different ministry. And it's like ministries versus ministries. Or, it's, or even within their own ministry, you know, there's a tug-of-war between uh, different people within those ministries. And what can God do with a church that is all going in the same direction, all moving towards the same goal, and it's amazing what God can do when the church is working together in unity towards the same goals, towards the same things to accomplish. You know, we all have our part to play in the body of Christ. And, and um, you know, which way are you pulling? Are you pulling against maybe somebody in the church 
in a tug-of-war match against them? Uh, are you in a tug-of-war match against another ministry? Uh, are you in a tug-of-war match against somebody else in your ministry? Or maybe you're just not polling at all. Maybe you're like that kid that we look back in and we're like, what are you doing, dude? We're in a tug-of-war match. Pull the rope. You know, where are you the, tonight? Let's look here. Let's do a little bit of review what we talked about last week. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away with these dumb idols, even as you were led. So last week we had the reminder from Paul. We all need to be reminded of truth. All right. We all need to be reminded of what is true, what is right. We all need God's word to teach us comfort, reprove, rebuke our lives. And Paul didn't want the Corinthians to be ignorant of truth. He didn't want them to be ignorant, not have understanding, not have learning of what the truth was. And we shouldn't be ignorant of truth either. Amen? We shouldn't be ignorant of the truth of the Scriptures, what the Bible has to say. The Bible, I'll say it a million times over probably before I die, the Bible is our sole authority of faith and practice. That's what we hold to as Baptists, right? The Bible is our um, that is our North Star. That's everything comes back to what does the Scriptures have to say. It's not some other document. It's not a constitution. It's not traditions. It's what does the Bible have to say. And, so, and, then, he, and, then, um, and then it says there in verse 2, Ye know that ye were Gentiles, carried away by these dumb idols, even as ye were led. So he's telling them, you were Gentiles. Or, or, you know, Gentiles had two connotations in the Scriptures. One was anybody that wasn't a Jew, so you had Jews and Gentiles, but it was also in reference uh, at times to people that were unregenerated or, or hadn't been saved. So you were, and that's the context here. Once you were unbelievers, but now you are believers. Uh, know ye that ye were Gentiles, carried away by these dumb idols, even as ye were led. You know what's really interesting? It says here, carried away by these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Literally, what that's saying is that you had no control. Like, you were unsaved. You were unregenerated. Um, you were literally carried away. They physically were carrying you away. Like, you were totally outside of your control. And isn't it interesting that... People assume that, uh, you know, like, I don't want to get saved and I don't want to be a follower of Christ because I want my freedom, right? They'll say things like that. Or, or you know, I don't want to get right with God because I just want to be able to do whatever I want to do. But literally, they're the ones that are in bondage. They're so blind. They're the ones that are in bondage because all of the liberty is living in Christ. That's what Christ came to give us. It's just ironic and it's just the way Satan uh, distorts and twists things. So ye know that ye were Gentiles, that's past tense, that's who you were. You were carried away by these dumb idols, even as ye were led. All right, so that's who you were. That was the past, that's not who you are anymore. Uh, Corinthians, that's not who you are. You're not, you're not following after these dumb idols like the unbelievers. You're Christians, you're followers of Jesus Christ. That's not who you are anymore. You need to live like who you're supposed to be, all right? So, here, so here's where we come to tonight. After reminding the Corinthians of who they were and where they had come from, he's reminding them you are believers. Paul gives, here in this verse, he gives two tests, one negative and one positive, for determining if a professing Christian is truly saved out of his paganism or if, or if what he is saying is genuinely of the Holy Spirit. So here in verse 3, this would actually be a really easy verse to just kind of gloss over and to just move on to the next passages, but there's actually a lot of truth packed into 
this verse that we're going to uh, uh, look at tonight. So here we are. That's where we're at tonight. So here, uh, that's where we pick up this lesson here in verse 3. Here we go. It says, Wherefore, so wherefore is you were Gentiles, uh, you were carried away by those dumb idols, so that's who you were. Wherefore, so because of that, now I'm going to tell you this, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus a curse. So it's clear that some in the church at this time, some in the, in the Corinthian church, were calling Jesus Christ accursed. They were calling Jesus Christ accursed. Isn't that mind-blowing? Not only were they calling Jesus Christ accursed, but they were claiming to be speaking by the Spirit of God. So they were calling Jesus Christ. I mean, this is Jesus Christ. Everything that we do is all about Jesus Christ. They were calling Jesus Christ accursed. And then claiming what they said was by God. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Holy Spirit, of, by the Spirit of God, calleth Jesus accursed. And that no man can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. So we don't know exactly who this was here in this time. This could have been uh, some of the people. Obviously, it was some of the communicators of truth, right? Think about our church. There's lots of people that communicate uh, the Bible here. You have, obviously, pastor. Um, I speak every week to the teenagers over there. Uh, you have the men who are speaking here. You have all of our Sunday school teachers. So clearly, there were those in authority and spiritual leadership at this church that were making the claim that Jesus was a curse and then claiming they spoke by the Spirit. Uh, you know, and I've heard people say, and I've heard people say, God told me, and I mean, you watch any of those, like, Televangelists, and I'm not talking about like, you know, I'm, I know there's some good ones out there, but I mean like those wacko guys, and they're like, God told me if you all write in and send $10,000, you know, God's going to bless you. Right? They're, so they're, they're not speaking for God, but they're claiming I'm speaking for God. So these people claiming Jesus was accursed and then claiming they're speaking by the Spirit. So here, they were using the gifts that had been given them by God, the gifts of prophecy and of teaching, while at the same time cursing the very Jesus Christ that they were supposed to be worshiping. Absolute crazy what is going on here at the church of Corinth. So Paul tells the Corinthians that these crazy, absurd teachings could not possibly be of the Holy Ghost. Paul is saying, listen, these, this is crazy. This is, this is, these crazy teachings they're doing, there's no way this is by God. There is absolutely no way. Um, you know what's crazy is that, did this really even need to be said? You know what I'm saying? Did, that, did Paul really even need to write the church to tell them if somebody is... Think about this. If I got up here and I was preaching to you that everything Jesus said was false and Jesus was a false prophet and everything, you, you guys would, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd be out of here. I mean, that's pretty sad that church had so little spiritual discernment that they had teachers that were able to teach that Jesus was accursed and that Paul had to confront this issue. How sad that this issue even needed to be addressed. And uh, it really showed um, how they had fallen back into their pagan ways in this church to the, to, the, to the point where they didn't even have the spiritual discernment 
to realize these were wrong teachings. The Corinthian Christians, they had come to um, judge the legitimacy of what was being taught and the legitimacy of the spiritual gifts based off their experience rather than the actual content of the preaching. So um, it was a lot of it, especially if you look at the pagan religion that they came out of, it was a lot, about, a lot of it was about the experience, uh, what it was about. And obviously uh, they came from a very, a very wicked um, uh, religion that they had come out of and, and there was prostitution, there was drunkenness, there was drugs that were involved, very wicked um, paganism that they had come out of, but they were uh, starting to live carnal lives and that paganism was starting to seep, those philosophies and things were starting to seep into the church, all right? So, so uh, can, you, can you sense Paul's frustration at this time when he's writing this letter? Could you imagine how frustrated he is? Have you ever, have you ever um, asked your kids, what were you thinking? Has anybody ever said that to your kids while they were growing up? What were you thinking? What, why were you driving down the highway with a sofa in the back of your pickup with your friends riding on it? What were you thinking? Right? Like, what's wrong with you? That's just so stupid. So I can sense Paul's frustration in this passage. He's like, how could you possibly be confused about this? listening to teachers saying that Jesus is accursed. How could this possibly be a confusing thing to you? I don't understand. He's like, I get it if you were unsaved. I get it if you were unregenerated, all right? If you, if you hadn't known Jesus Christ, those were the times you were led astray, but that's not who you are anymore. You're at, you, there's actually truly Christians here. How in the world can you not recognize how obvious it is that these are false teachers among you. That these are actually, these people teaching are not true followers of Jesus Christ. How can you have been given so many spiritual gifts here at Corinth? By the way, the church at Corinth, all these spiritual gifts that you read in here, had been given to the church of Corinth. And he's like, I mean, they had them all. They had the whole kit and caboodle of every spiritual gift you could have. And he's like, how could you have all of these spiritual gifts and still be... Uh, uh, not understanding what they are. How can you, be, how can you uh, even believe that cursing Jesus could be of the Holy Spirit? How in the world could you think that? The, the church here was started on the basis of the gospel of Jesus Christ. How could you believe this? All right, so that's the context of this verse. That's what's happening. And let's look at a little bit of application, especially for the beginning part. Here's the, here's the first application. Something the Lord showed me is that just because someone claims to be a Christian does not make it so. Just because someone claims to be a Christian does not make it so. In this passage, we have people that were claiming to be speaking by the Holy Spirit, yet they clearly were false teachers. They were making the claim to speak by the Holy Spirit, but they were clearly false teachers. Listen, there are a lot of voices out there, all right? And in this day and age, we have access to um, things like we never have before. Now, there's some awesome teaching out there, right? I mean, one of the cool things is with the advent of the internet is I literally, by the click of a button, have access to some of the greatest Bible teachers on the planet Earth at this time. 
I also have access to some of the greatest Bible teachers that have ever lived in the past via audio and via uh, different types of things like that, even able to pull up their transcripts from their sermons, able to absorb all that knowledge, even the Bible apps that are out there. I mean, you can download for free commentaries. There's never been a time where we can have access to the scriptures and to the teaching like we have been able to at this time of our lives. But also there are a lot of false voices out there. And there are a lot of um, voices out there that distort the truth. And, and guess what they all have in common? They all claim to be speaking by the Spirit of God. Right? Nobody, none of them get up there and they're like, by the way, I'm a false teacher. You know, going on the thing. They're like, no, I'm speaking by the Spirit of God. They're making that claim. So how do we discern who is speaking the truth and who's a charlatan? Does their message line up with Scripture? Does the things that they teach line up with what the Bible teaches? That is, the Bible is our sole authority of faith and practice. Or does their message twist, distort, pollute, or deny the truths of the Scripture? That is our source of truth, is the Bible. Never allow God's truth to be compromised by charismatic leaders. And listen, there are a lot of false charismatic leaders out there. I mean, there, there are preachers out there that are phenomenal communicators. Uh, they're great storytellers, very energetic. They're visionaries. And listen, those are all good things, okay? None of those are bad. Those are all great. But their messages violate doctrine. And their messages violate doctrinal truth, the prosperity gospel. And you guys are familiar with that. The pro maybe, maybe you are, maybe you aren't. But there's the prosperity gospel out there. God just wants everybody to be rich, wealthy, and, and healthy and wise. There's those that deny the existence of hell, denying that there is a penalty for sin. And guess what? Those false teachers draw many unto themselves. They do. But, 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 we are not led astray, right? We should not be ignorant of truth. We hold up the scriptures as the counterweight to everything that we hear, to everything we, we hear into our it, Listen, even to the point that we need to use the scriptures to hold up against the things we hear on the news, right? The things that we hear on talk radio, the things we hear at work from our coworkers, everything needs to be balanced against the scriptures. That is our guide. You know, one of, the, one of the things that because of where the Corinthian church came out of, that, you know, they were all about the exciting and they were all about, you know, um, the, the, the charismatic leaders and all that type of thing. And, and they were so drawn unto those type of leaders that how the gifts of God were being used or, or, or however charismatic and, and crazy and exciting or, or whatever that preacher did, or that communicator did to, to get them riled up, they, they just were like, that's my guy, at the sacrifice of the actual content of what he, what he was preaching. So really, the more crazy, the more excited, the, whatever type of experience they had became the, uh, that's what they used to judge whether it was a legitimate person or not. Literally, they had so little discernment that if, if what was happening in the church, if it was a person that claimed to be a Christian, and what was being taught was being done in the church, they were just like, oh, must be true. <laughs> but we need to, to hold up everything against the lens of Scripture. So, so that's our warning. Now, 
To be honest, I feel like many of us, especially here on a Wednesday night, are pretty strong in these areas, okay? I think if somebody came up and started teaching false doctrine, for the most part, many of us here would be like, whoa, that's, uh, <laughs> dude, that's, there's something off with that. So I feel like we here, you know, independent, us here at this church are strong in doctrine. That goes to pastor, right? His teaching, his preaching over the years has made us strong in doctrine. But this would be, as I was thinking about the application for our warning, and it would be, we, and I would say this, as I was thinking about, maybe even not our church in particular, but independent Baptist churches as a whole, we need to be warned against the mistake of holding traditions to the same level as doctrine. Um, holding a tradition, something we've done, something we've always done, and there are churches that hold their traditions to the same level as doctrine. In essence, we can do the same thing the Corinthian church was doing, except on the conservative side, right? Something that might not necessarily be a sin, might not necessarily be wrong, but uh, something that might be on the more conservative side. Every independent Baptist church has its traditions. Actually, every church has its traditions. Any church that's around for any amount of time, they just develop their own traditions. That's just, just the way it goes. And I believe holding traditions to the same level as spiritual doctrine can be wrong and it can be dangerous. You know, it's important. I was thinking through. Listen, these are all things that churches have split over, okay? It's not important. The important things are not what color the carpet is, okay? I know you'd be like, <laughs> how could a church ever split? I guarantee you there's churches that have split over what car color the carpet is going to be right? Um, who the ministry leader of a particular ministry in the church is. You know, oh, that person became a ministry leader. I can't stand that guy. I'm leaving the church. You know, whether a, what type of signs are up around the church and whether they're left up or taken down. I was listening to a pastor. I listened to this, this podcast and uh, this pastor does. He's a pastor of a large church, well known in the Christian community as a theologian and uh, a well-respected theologian. And he said, one of the biggest mistakes I ever made at my church was out one of the side doors. There was a big old ugly wreath up there. And there was one day I just thought, that is the most ugly wreath. Why is that in our church? And I took the wreath down and he's like, you would have thought that I preached against the virgin birth. I, he's like, I thought, I thought I was going to split that church right down the middle because I took that stupid wreath down. And he's like, once I did it, I had to stick with it because he's like, you know, I, I can't just like do something and just put it back because people throw a fit. But he's like, if I could go back in time, I would have left that stupid wreath up there that was not worth all of the emails and the letters and the mad people that I got coming knocking on my door. So stupid. It's not important who gets what room for their class. It's not important whether or not we have coffee and donuts. It's not important whether we start at 9 or 10 o'clock. It's not important if there are TVs in the church. I remember when we first put the TV out in the foyers, people were having a fit over it. It's not important whether we have projectors in the church or not. That used to be a big thing in independent churches. Should we put projectors or shouldn't we? Now we just think it's comical because all churches have projectors, but that used to be a big deal. Whether or not uh, prayer service is on Sunday night or Wednesday night, these are all things that have split churches. You know, 
Uh, Fellowship Baptist Church was birthed, unfortunately, out of a church split that happened because tradition was held higher than doctrine. And there was things that uh, pastor felt were not biblical doctrinal things. And he's like, we got to hold to the scriptures as our sole authority of faith and practice. And a church split happened. We should never do things just because it's what we've always done, and we should never not do something just because we've never done that before. So here's what I want to get to right here in this part is we should always know the why behind the what of what we are doing as a church, as individuals and as Christians. What is the why behind the what? All right, this is a basic principle. Why do we do what we do as a church? What is the purpose of our ministries? Why do we spend our own personal time investing in whatever ministry we're investing in? Why do we sit underneath the preaching of God's Word? Why do we give a portion of our hard-earned resources to God? What is it all for? What is the why behind the what? Not just doing things for the sake of doing them, or not just doing things because we've always done them, but why are we doing them? You know, a lot of things that are traditions, you know what? There might be a good why behind the what, but we need to know what that is. Why are we doing it? Why do we do our ministries? Here's what I believe. I believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ and discipleship is the why behind the what. The gospel and discipleship is why we do what we do, or at least it should be. Um, this is the final command that Jesus gave to his disciples, evangelism and discipleship. That, that is the last words of Jesus Christ before he left, also known as the Great Commission, as we all know. And this, was, this, was, uh, this is what we as a church have been commissioned by God to do. God hasn't put his seal of approval upon us having a softball team, okay? That's not what God said. Go, therefore, and have a softball team. Is there anything wrong with the softball team? No, absolutely not. But that's not what God has commissioned our church to do. What has God commissioned? A commission of God, his seal of approval, his command has been given us. Go ye, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. Evangelism. Spreading the gospel. 20, uh, verse 20. Next verse. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Discipleship. Evangelism. Sharing the gospel. Discipleship. Why do we invest in the media ministry? Why do we do that? So that we can proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ beyond the doors of our church. So that people that cannot make it to church can be discipled on how to grow in the gospel of Jesus Christ. People are watching right now, by the grace of God, this is a discipleship to them, how to grow in the gospel, how to share the gospel. Why do we sing in the choir? It's not just because all of the choir members have nothing to do on a Sunday afternoon and they're like, what else would I do with my time besides show up early to church, right? I mean... I was just hoping somebody would ask me to show up early to church and practice singing for an hour. No, they don't do it just because they have nothing to do. We sing in the choir to communicate through song the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
what the gospel is, what it means to live it out in our daily lives. Look at the lyrics of these songs. We sing it to prepare people spiritually for the preaching of the word of God, to prepare their hearts to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why are we really trying to get this visitor's ministry up and off the ground? So that when people visit our church, there's nothing that we have done as a church to hinder them when they come in to hear the message of the gospel, right? We don't want to, when they come in, they're so worried, they're so distracted by nobody talked to me or I feel weird in here or I had no idea where to go or they're frustrated because they didn't know where their kids went, were, were supposed to go or they don't even know where their kids are. We don't want a visitor to feel like that. We want them to be totally comfortable. We've taken care of everything. We've helped you out so that when they're sitting underneath the preaching, their total focus can be given to the preaching of God's word. And by the grace of God, if they're not saved, they can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and accept him as their own personal savior. Uh, I heard one person say, the gospel is offensive. It is. The gospel is offensive. To communicate the fact that you are a sinner and because of your sin, you are punished to eternity in hell, that's offensive. Okay? Um, of course, we got the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, he came down, took that penalty for us. But the gospel is offensive. To call somebody a sinner and you're going to hell to their face. But he said, the gospel of Jesus Christ is offensive, but nothing else in the church should be. <laughs> Nothing else that you do as a church should be offensive, you know, but the gospel of Jesus Christ is. But his point was, make sure you have things together when a visitor comes to take care of that. Why do we clean and have a maintenance ministry here at the church? So that the, the grounds and the church is not offensive. Have you ever been to a restaurant and you actually were really enjoying the food and then you went into the bathroom and it was so disgusting that it actually ruined your entire experience at the restaurant and you actually didn't even want to go back even though they had really good food. We take care of these grounds for the gospel, right? So, so that there's not those distractions so people can focus on the gospel preaching that is happening. Why do we have children's ministry? It's not babysitting. It's teaching the gospel to our children. It's discipling them in the ways of Jesus Christ. Why do we have student ministry? Same thing, to teach them the gospel, to teach our teenagers the gospel, to teach them how to grow in the gospel, to disciple them on how to live out the gospel, to teach our, our, our teenagers how to give the gospel. We're going to be going through an evangelism series starting next month where we're going to be walking through with our teenagers how to communicate the gospel to the people that they know. Uh, what, what about the sound room? What's the sound room ministry? To make sure that the preaching of God's word is clear and not a distraction so that the gospel can clearly be communicated. Have you ever been somewhere where the, the sound has messed up and it's been a hindrance to the message that's trying to be communicated? Absolutely. I've seen it happen multiple times. The sound room is an important ministry because they're making sure that the gospel can clearly be communicated. Why do we do the nursery ministry? It's not just babysitting babies. The nursery ministry is so important. And any of you that are in here and have babies, you know how important it is because what the nursery ministry is doing and what those kids programs are doing is they are freeing the parents up to be able to come in and hear the preaching of God's word. It is so important, the nursery ministry. You know, you a parent who's all frazzled throughout the day and they're, they're able to take their kids and drop them off and, and to have the confidence that they're being taken care of well by the grace of God and come in here and have, be able to fully focus on the preaching of God's word. And if it's somebody that's not saved, they can have the full uh, freedom to be able to listen to the preaching of God's word. Why do we sit underneath preaching? To learn how to live out the gospel in our everyday lives. 
1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 14, Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should also live in the gospel. Learn how the gospel relates to every aspect of our lives. To learn how what we do and, and uh, what we not, should not do is all based on the biblical teaching of the gospel. You know, that's what the whole Bible is about. The whole Bible is about Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. The whole Old Testament points to what Jesus Christ is going to do on the cross. The whole Old Testament, or the whole New Testament, points back at what Jesus Christ did. Jesus Christ died on the cross, therefore we do this. And then the book of Revelation points to what Jesus will come in the future. So the whole Bible is about Jesus Christ. What he did on the cross. It's all, the whole Bible is about the gospel. Learning how to share the gospel with our neighbors and friends and co-workers. That's what we're doing here at church. That's why we sit underneath the preaching. Why do we have a Christian school? To teach our kids how the gospel affects every area of their lives, including math, science, history, language, art, biblical teaching. The gospel affects all those things. How to live in that. You know, we could keep going on. Why do we have bus ministry? To reach our community with the gospel. It's all about the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the direction the gospel and discipleship, that's the direction we should all be pulling in as a church. Amen? We should all be pulling in the same direction, being gospel-centered, discipleship-centered, <laughs> preaching God's word, leading people to Christ, discipling people that can lead people to Christ, that can disciple people, that can lead people to Christ, that can disciple people. So I'm here to say this. I want, you, I want to say this. We haven't even got to part two of the verse yet. Good night of living. So we actually only two and a half verses have we gotten through. But when we serve in the ministries of Fellowship Baptist Church, we are literally ministers of the gospel. Do you understand the significance of that? You're not just a nursery worker if you serve in the nursery. You are contributing to the ministry of the gospel. You're not just a youth leader. For all of my awesome youth leaders out there, you're a minister of the gospel. You're not just a media guy, all you guys up there in the media room. Not just up there serving in their media team. They are ministers helping the gospel go forth. You're not just a sound man, Phil. <laughs> You're a minister of the gospel. You're not just a janitor. You are a minister of the gospel. You're not just a security team worker. You are a minister of the gospel. You're not just a school teacher. You're a minister of the gospel, Mr. Pierce. You were ministering the gospel to our children day in and day out. Would you take it seriously if you had the opportunity to sit across from somebody and God gave you the opportunity to share the full gospel with them? Is that a serious matter? Would you take that seriously? We've, we need to take our ministry seriously. We need to... to to take our, 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 our ministries that seriously because everything we do is a ministry of the gospel and discipleship. We should, be, be, uh, we should always be seeking to improve our ministries. We should be seeking to become more effective with our ministries. We should always be reviewing and analyzing and see if we need to make adjustments to our ministries to make them more effective because all of our ministries, when we're all pulling in the same direction, are all related to sharing the gospel and discipleship. That's what all of our ministries, if we're all pulling in the same direction, are going for. 
Our ministries, we need to make sure that our ministries are not about us. Amen? Our ministries are not about us. It's not about our personal preferences. It's not about, our ministries are so much bigger than us. Amen? And don't you want to be a part of something that's bigger than you? Right? We are a part of the body of Christ that is sharing the gospel all the way around the world. Why do we support missionaries? Because they share the gospel in places that we have no access to, places that we can't go. They disciple people that share the gospel and disciple people that share the gospel and disciple people. That's why we do missions. Everything is about the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can't afford to get off track in petty arguments and disagreements. The mission is too important. Amen? The mission is too important than to get sidetracked by petty little things. And listen, I'm not preaching this because our, our church is struggling with this. I think our church is phenomenal. We, do, I, we are great at unity and working together, but it's a warning of what we should not do, and I hope a reminder that we can always do better. Amen? We can always be improving. We can always be doing better. We can always be seeking to become more effective in the ministries that God has given us so that we can be more effective at sharing the gospel and discipling people. We can't afford to get off track like the church at Corinth. The church at Corinth had gotten way off track. We need to guard against getting involved in things that are harmful to the mission. Move along here. Let's try to wrap this up. Let me ask you this. Are you involved in a ministry? Are you involved in the ministry of the gospel? Are you involved with... And, and, and you know what? To be involved in the ministry of the gospel doesn't mean you have to be involved in a ministry here at Fellowship Baptist Church. You can be involved in the ministry of the gospel by sharing the gospel. Okay? We all need to be doing that. All of the things we do here at the church and serving in the ministries that are ultimately the ministries of the gospel and discipleship should be on top of sharing our faith personally. All right? Nothing we do exempts us from sharing our faith personally. Okay? So everything, the ministry of the gospel here, is on top of the fact that God has commanded each and every one of us to personally, individually share our faith with a lost and dying world around us, with our friends, our family, uh, co-workers, people we come into contact with. We need to be gospel-centered as a church. Listen to what Paul said. Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. He says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. So it's the beginning of the book. He's greeting the church at Philippi. I thank God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making request with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. What tied Paul to all of his churches? What was the tying thread? It was the gospel of Jesus Christ. That was his connection. How can we go to the Philippines on the other side of the world, totally different culture, Totally different mindset. And yet, what ties us together with Pastor Nono? What ties me together with my good friend over there, James Nono? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. How can there be a room right now full of people with diverse backgrounds, people from every genre of work that you can imagine, 
lawyers, construction workers, factory workers, uh, semi-drivers, salesmen. What ties us all together? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we have together. That's the unity. We are the body of Christ, which is all about the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what ties us all together. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye received, wherein ye stand. Once again, the gospel needs to be, to be the basis of all that we do and practice, both in our personal lives and as a church. Let's pray. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.